Speak softly loud So no one hears us but the sky The vows of love we made We live on till we die My life is yours And I'll be cold You came into my world with love Good evening, everyone, and here we are. It's Wednesday night with another new show. And we want to thank you. Pat Picciarelli's here. How you doing? Megan's here, and uh, we're ready to do it. And thank you for all being and listening with us. Mm-hmm. Whenever you do, I know you can, I didn't know that this is, you can tune us in anytime yeah, you want. Yeah, whenever they want. I love it, I love it. <laughs> so we're going to the mailbag uh, with something that Megan is excited about. So why don't yeah. you tell us what we're doing tonight? All right, so we had a request from a fan. Um, because you've talked about being in a movie called Lepke, 1975. Right. So they were wondering, in reference to that, how much do you know about Murder Incorporated? <laughs> that that is the funny. Hey, thank you for asking this. I, you know, I I love. I'm so tied into this Murder Incorporated for so many reasons. First, as an actor, because as you pointed out, I played Albert Anastasia in Lepke. Now, Lepke was the nickname for Louis Buchalter, and Louis Buchalter and Albert Anastasia created, the thir- in the 30s, Murder Incorporated. It was a business. They actually went into business where if you needed somebody killed, you hire them. And uh, they came along with this movie, and I was happy to say Tony Curtis, who I got to know, and I always admired him as a young man, in fact, I just wanted to know more about him and his relationship with Marilyn Monroe and some like it. I don't oh, like, yeah. I had my own reasons. But I played Albert, and unbeknownst to, uh, don't ask me how I remember this, Menachem Golan and Yurum Gobles out of Israel <laughs> came to America to do four motion pictures with Golan released, that's their company, in Israel. And they only did Jewish mob movies. It's so crazy. Huh. And they can't. They figured this out. And fortunately, they picked me to do this one. And then we did. And then we did the. Um, I did another one. Uh, what was the name of those? Out, out of uh, Chicago. Uh, the two brothers, Jack Palance. Jack Palance and I played brothers in this. It was crazy. But anyway, this movie I was totally enamored with. And they always watched Milton Berle in Israel. They cast Milton Berle as Tony Curtis's wife's father, who was a rabbi. I mean, there was a lot of Jewish accent into this and the the Mm. culture of them and all. But the the, the storyline basically was... Murder Incorporated, and now we, you know, they created this thing and went to the moon, and um, it stayed around for about. Well, I know the day that one guy left, and so does Patton, 1957. <laughs> yes, yeah. they, that's why he gets for getting a haircut. Yeah, they they killed their uh, own hair. Which is funny when we get into the story, and a lot of our listeners who are patriotic and listen to us all the time. Most of these names you're going to hear because they're all friends of mine. I, I feel like I'm, what is going on here? Of course they are. But Murder Incorporated were a group of people, mostly Jewish, and they were for hire. 
And it was like having an in the paper. You want somebody killed, you get them killed. But most- it was said, you know, uh, just to uh, regress a little, when I started my writing career, all those many years ago, I was interested in doing a book on Murder Incorporated, and I gathered up all the information that I could until I discovered that there's quite a lot of information out there on Murder, Inc. And uh, the book, uh, I thought, has already, in fact, two books have already been written. One was called Tough Jews. Oh, really? Uh, by a guy named Rich Cohen. And uh, Murder, Inc. by uh, Burton Turkis, who was the DA who prosecuted them. Hmm. Oh, that's wild. So I abandoned my project because whatever had to be said was said in those two books. If anybody's interested in this topic, these two books are still around. You can get them on Amazon, probably used, but uh, excellent uh, sources of information. Hmm. Well, it's, it's so crazy because uh, through my relationship early on, I, I was around Costello you know, in, in the 50s when a lot of this was going on. Unbeknownst to me, I was just a kid. And there was a guy I met with Mr. Gambino at the club one morning. And he was Tony Anastasia, who was Albert's brother. And Tony Anastasia happened to be the head of the International Longshoremen's Union and the International Brotherhood of International Longshoremen's Union, which another friend of mine that I met soon after, Carlos Marcellos from New Orleans, so these two men, uh, Tony Anastasia, from Canada to New Orleans, controlled everything that moved on the water. Marcellus had from New Orleans to San Francisco. So you, that's that's it. Nothing nothing moves. Nothing comes in here without these two guys. So I meet him, and he's talking about Lady Montcalm Church that he just finished building. And I'm looking at this guy, you know, I didn't think he was a mobster. He was the head of the union. And uh, and it was a lady among common church. I, I happened to say, that's my grandmother's patron saint. My grandfather just built the shrine on Staten Island for Lady Montcalm. Of course, all my grandmother's sons came over from the war, and he promised they'd build it. So he said, well, you got to come over for mass. Me, I go to Sunday mass all the time. He becomes my godfather in real life for my confirmation. He stood up for me. Wow. And now I'm finding out who all these guys are. I'm, I'm saying, like, this is weird, man. And, and then, to, as, as we know, and my audience knows, you know, my relationship with uh, Carlos Mosales and the, all the unions that we did to get John F. Kennedy president, this was all going on in the, you know, in the, in the, in the late 50s. But uh, Murder Incorporated, you will not believe... I don't know how much you know about Pat, the original guy. Well, I, I, when I was doing my research, which was before I wrote my first book, so this was a while ago, uh, I got pretty deep into it. I, I found some stuff that even amazed me. Uh, the first thing was they're credited, or if you can use that term, credited, a thousand hits. And they didn't only operate in mob areas. They were nationwide. They oh, yeah. would travel. Oh, no, they, they took out businessmen that everybody, had problems. You know, yeah. I mean, they, they operated in every state, and but they would travel from Brownsville, Brooklyn. This is where they were headquartered. Yep. And they would travel wherever they had to go to do the hit, and they just wouldn't go there, whack somebody, jump on a train, and come back. They would meticulously plan these hits. These were professional murderers yeah. in the truest sense of the term. 
they didn't want to get caught. I mean, uh, who wants to get caught, of course, but they went out of their way to make sure it was a professional job. Once they did it and they were gone, it left the police scratching their heads for years. Well, what, uh, the interesting thing that you should say that the top guys that, that they created, I mean, obviously was number one or two was um, Lepke and, and Albert. And, uh, but they put a group together there was one gentleman in their group, Oscar the Poet, they called him. This guy never c- committed a hit. All he did was organize it, map it out like Pat's saying. Plan it. Plan it. And, and then they had a group that just would kill you with ice picks. Yeah, these guys were, I love these names, which is one of the reasons I, I got attached to this project. Ali TikTok. Tannenbaum, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Mendy Weiss. Oh, yeah. Jake Gura Shapiro. Yeah. Abe Kid Twist Relis. And so we don't forget the Italians. Frank the Dasher Abendando. And how about Frankie Capone? Carbone. Uh, Louis Capone. Was he Louis? Okay. Louis, yeah. yeah he got, Louis he Capone, got, yeah. No, I'm talking about Carbone. In fact, most of them got the electric chair. Oh, you're talking about uh, Carbo, Frankie Carbo. Well, yeah, Carbo, yeah. Frankie Carbo. Yeah, yeah there was, uh, uh, but some of, uh, yeah, they loved the knife, the, the knife and the rope. Yeah. Yeah, apparently That's Albert, they dispatched you Albert Anastasia's favorite weapon was the ice pick. What would yeah. he do with it? Stick it in your neck nice. or your eye or ear. In your ear, you, you, you die of a brain aneurysm. But you know well, why they like the quickly. yeah you know why they like the ice pick why made no noise that's what they told me one day I said are you crazy it's true well, that's how uh, a kid twist relis got his uh, nickname kid twist because yeah. once the uh, knife or the ice pick was in he would twist it to make sure the job was done that they taught me something that, that just out of knowledge I don't know why they want to let me know if you put ammonia on, ammonia on it yeah it's ridiculous that. The DNA, everything, anything is on that, the handle and everything's gone. Really? That's crazy. I mean, it's... Uh, now, these guys were artists. Oh, no. And, and and like you were saying, they they took it as not going in, just clean it up, and, and they, they left. And they had actual people come up and clean it up. So, but Yeah. To, and they were on retainer, too, right? And got paid Well, they averaged uh, about $5,000 a hit. They're talking about during the Depression. Yeah. You know, $5,000 was a lot of money. Of course, plus expenses, and it was $5,000 each. Yeah. Uh, But when they did the job, uh, the job got done, and there was nobody to be held accountable for it. No, it's it's, it's crazy because, you know, when you think about, like, uh, Ralph Salerno, many, many years later, he was with the NYPD. Yeah, uh, a lieutenant. Yeah. And he was, and with, with what you just said, they were attributed or credited with a thousand hits. You know what it is up to today? That they know of. Yeah, over ten thousand. I believe. So I mean, ten thousand hits. I mean, but it was like a, a, an organized business. But you know, to me, to be playing this character, it was insane because I was living this guy's life, and you know, we would sit and. Uh, and, and it was a lot of fun because Tony Curtis is, is a character in himself. But to be playing with, like, all well, these guys you're talking about, we had characters. In fact, Vic Tabak, 
I don't know if you ever. Yeah, the actor. I remember him. Yeah. Well, From Alice. He was on Alice. Was yeah. On he, yeah, he was a bartender or something, or, or waiter. Yeah, he owned a, he owned a, a, he owned diner. a diner. Yeah. Well, guess who he played? Who? He played uh, Lewis. He played Lewis uh, um, Capone. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I mean, imagine this this crew. And like I said, Milton Berle played... Um, what was his wife's name? Uh, Lepke's wife's name. He played, he was a rabbi. Mm-hmm. And he had us dying on the floor. <laughs> I mean, uh, and, and Anginic Coma. I don't know how many movies she made, but she played it. But she was really a Sephardic. I mean, it was so crazy how these guys came from Israel to make this gangster movie here. And the interesting thing about Lepke, they, had, they were looking for him all over the world. He was one of the most wanted men in the world. And they couldn't understand where he was. He never left New York. He never, not, not, never left Brooklyn. He was in the pillar of the Brooklyn Bridge, living with a living quarters. What? Yep. How did anyone end up finding him? Oh, he gave himself up. He gave himself up to, oh, up to uh, Walter Winchell. Walter Winchell, he made a deal. And that's, that's why when you start to talk about this, and, and that, I, I remember the uh, Dewey. Dewey was the governor. He wanted. No, run. Dewey was the. He was the DA. DA, but he wanted to become governor. He wanted to become president. President. Okay. <laughs> and that's why he made the deal with Walter Winchell because he felt if he could bring this guy in, and uh, we're talking when when was that in the thirties and forties? Yeah, thirties. Uh, yeah. Walter Winchell. For those who don't know who he was, he was probably the most famous gossip columnist who ever lived. Oh yeah. And he was a superstar. Back in the day, literally a superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had in with all the him and Frank Costello were pretty good friends, right? Oh, every night they were out. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's why Grace Kelly and uh, uh, all of them. Um, who was the other movie star? That uh, <coughs> see, they were out because they wanted to go and hang out with Walter Winchell mm-hmm. to be in their columns. Yeah, Lepke uh, was afraid that if he gave himself up, he'd be tried for capital offense and get the chair which eventually is what happened anyway. Right. Or the police would kill him. But he trusted Walter Winchell enough, who he didn't know, by the way. Well, he just knew often right. that if he gave himself up to Walter Winchell, that nobody could hurt him because he'd be in Winchell's company. And that's how he gave himself up. Well, they, he called Winchell, they made arrangements, and he surrendered. The deal being that the death penalty was off the table. Right. Oh, okay. That lasted until he was in cuffs. Yeah, but and not the only that, was Walter... was on the table. But oh, wow. Walter Winchell literally publicized that he was going to turn him in. He wanted the world to know yeah. that, that Dewey couldn't go back on his word, which is bullshit. He did. Well, he did. I know. But like you said, because what's the name? Louis Lepke was in this tower. I mean, it was done really well. How did he even get in there? But I have a lot of questions Well, yeah, why <laughs> about this situation. No, there's access to it because that's the way the bridge is maintained. That's how the bridge is maintained. Okay. Through those so, pillars. Yeah, so those pillars, they accessed the place, cleaned it all up for him. He's millions of dollars. Wow. And he lived there. And which is even That's funnier, crazy. which is even funnier, he had kosher meals brought in. <laughs> How do you not know who's climbing a, a pillar? I mean, he was the most wanted criminal in, in the, the United States yeah. for two years. And what, what time and was this? It was an embarrassment to the FBI. Nobody could find this guy because he, he never went out anywhere. 
Wow. I mean, you you got to be seen to be caught. Right. And uh, I'm sure that, that no one would rat on him because he was Lepke. Yeah, see, no one was uh, going to go there. See, and, uh, why, but, and why, why they were in Brooklyn, they controlled Brooklyn, the Anastasias, and, and them. They, they, they didn't need anything else. Right. That's why they, they operated out of that neighborhood. But nobody knew. They, they got the plans to the Brooklyn Bridge because they were figuring, where could we put you where it'd be so obvious, but nobody looked there. No one would ever look there. Who would there. ever look at the Brooklyn Bridge? Was we in the car and parked somewhere? Yeah, right. He was in the tower. And he had, why I brought that up, he used to listen to Walter Winchell on the radio talking Everybody about Everybody listened to Walter Winchell on the radio. And that's how he knew what was going on. And, wow. the, you know, he, he was a, a major, and he was young then. Wasn't Walter Winchell like the, in his 20s or 30s? 30s. Yeah. He was a powerhouse for probably 30 years. Yeah. He was the guy, if anybody watched, watches reruns of The Untouchables, he's the narrator. Yeah. And then that voice. He's got, that, he's got this staccato, right. fast clip delivery. And this is how he would uh, do his thing. He had a 15-minute television show, a uh, radio show, rather, once a week. And he would start off was uh, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. Right. And then he would go on with uh, with it. But he got information that nobody else got because he had Costello. Oh, he yeah. He had Hoover. He had Hoover. They all fed him information. Yeah. And, and nobody else got this information. And, and they so all liked, like Jay Hoover for our audience, they don't know that. I mean, if you don't know by now, but, he, you know, he was probably the first publicly, I don't know how to say politically correct, this guy was living with the under, what was his partner's name in the FBI? Clyde Tolson. Clyde Tolson was his lover. Oh, okay. How do I remember this stuff? I don't know. You're great, man. No, they, they, they were so close that they're buried side by side. Do you believe that? This is the head of the uh, FBI. Hoover left, Hoover left Tolson everything when he died. Tolson lasted about three more years and he passed away too. Wow. Hoover died in 72. It was the best well-kept secret. And that's how Chicago mob always had him denounce that there was a mob because they had cross-dressing pictures. They set him up. Mm. And so they had it. And that's why he always said, it was funny because we used to get a call here at this apartment when he wanted to place a bet from, from Virginia and Washington. He was a big horse player. Okay. But whatever he had bet, he was like John Gotti. Bet against him because you'll win. This guy was the worst better in the world. <laughs> but when he won, he wanted his money. When he lost, he never paid a bet. Costello said never take the money. Because the, you know, they got Hoover in, his, Hoover in their pocket. Yeah, that's it. Why would you want to we'll take a $1,000 bet when you could have the head of the FBI on your side? Yeah, yeah was right. crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something about the research I did hmm. when I was doing uh, research for the book that I never wrote. Uh, there was a wealth of pictures that the police, the, uh, the NYPD has that I had access to because I was a cop. So I'm looking through all these pictures, literally thousands of them, about who was involved in this mob, mug shots, candid shots, surveillance shots. And I come upon this picture of four guys posing with each other with their arms around each other in Brownsville on a street corner. Uh, they were all in their 20s, I would say. And I'm looking at this one guy in the picture, and I'm saying, you know, th these, these aren't captioned pictures. This right. was regular surveillance pictures, not out of a magazine where, say, from left to right, you have the following people. These were just pictures of, of uh, associates of Murder, Inc., members of Murder, Inc. Anyway, I'm looking at this one guy, and I'm saying, Jesus, he looks so familiar. 
And I'm checking out, I'm coordinating the names with the pictures, and they identify him as Larry Ziegler. Do you know who that is? No. No. Larry King. What? Are you kidding me? No. And you know I had a hard time recognizing him because he had shoulders back then. But Larry (laughs) King? The the guy (laughs) now? Yeah. Who's a commentator? Yeah, Larry King. So why, why are you in jail? He was a killer? No. Oh, 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 I thought you were saying that. I'm saying that he was an associate in the same neighborhood. He had pictures with the known members of Murder, Inc. He was involved. You know, you can't say, you you don't take a picture with your arm around somebody and not have some kind of a relationship. Right. You know, but. uh, Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, Larry King. Larry King's real name is Larry Ziegler. Ziegler. Crazy. That is wild, though. Now. You can't say, folks that are listening to this, that you didn't learn something tonight. <laughs> that's right. Hey, yeah. that, that's that what's so true. wild. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you think about association. Yeah. Who would ever? I mean, yeah, that's so he's wild. the cheapest guy I know. I, you know, I know well. I know this guy. Do you? Well, I used to see him in Nate and Al's all the time when I had my house in Beverly Hills. Oh, Larry King? Yeah. Yep. I went through cheap. guys? Cheap. <clears throat> <laughs> and, and arrogant. He thinks who the hell he is. Really? I mean, he's a well-known guy, but be nice. And he sits at the same table. You could go there now. He's there. He's going through another <laughs> divorce. I swear to God. He's in he's yes. in Nate and Al's, and I'll tell you another coffee shop you find him in. What? On Madison Avenue, 61st Street, 362nd Street. It's one of the oldest coffee shops. He leaves the Regency Hotel when he stays here. He made a deal long ago. He's probably paying $10 a room knowing him. Okay. But he refuses to buy a pot of coffee for $14 when he can go around the corner and get it for $2. But he'll get out in the, wind, the snow and walk around the corner. You see Larry King, everybody says, that can't Just be Larry King. Just to get that $2 it's coffee. Him. It's him. Uh, he's divorcing his wife. Uh, I was preparing for this show tonight. He's divorcing his latest wife, which is wife number seven, I believe. Yeah. What? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But he's married to her the longest. They got two kids. I think he married 23 years or something like that. Well, not only that. How old is he? She gave him a heart attack just recently. He's oh, eighty-seven. Is he? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's a player. Always was. But they're, leaving, they're selling their house right now for I think seventeen million or something. What? They have a townhouse? No, no. He has a house in Beverly Hills. One, oh. one old house of his. Probably. Yeah, he just had a stroke. Yeah, over her. He was in a well, coma. I'm not sure. Too, right? uh, yeah. yeah well, women, she, they wind up killing you. <laughs> None, no, I, he was, none uh, that I know. Uh, he, he admitted <laughs> Thank God. To being, after the last, I don't know if this, how many strokes he's had, if any, but this last one he had was in March. He said he was in, in a coma for a significant length of time. He wouldn't say how long it was, but he was he was out for a while. And that didn't come out till recently, right? Right. And he's back on the air, I heard again. I think he's on the cable or YouTube or something. Yeah. Wow. Got his own channel. Yeah, 87 years old. God bless him. And he still doesn't have any shoulder. No, <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't, I, that's, so well, that's how I didn't recognize him. Because back then, when he was in his 20s, he actually had shoulders. I said, this can't be Larry King. Was, yeah. Well, he's always slouching over counting his money. Yeah. <laughs> the freaking suspenders. No, but I mean, but what I found out, because, again, the research of this guy, and then with Dewey, and what we when we shot the scene for our listeners, we went, we flew down to uh, La Jolla because we couldn't get a prison in in the United in, in the New York State area that had electric chair anymore. 
and they found one down there. So we all flew down there, and we were all on death row because we were all part of, you know, I was already dead. Oh, no, I wasn't dead. No, they killed him first. But we were on death row. I wonder how Albert, I never found that out. How did Albert get off at death row? Anyway, Albert Anastasia. Anyway. No, he was on death row. Well, I'm saying they had us on death row. Oh. And here comes, they gave him his last rites, and the rabbi is walking him down, past us. Uh You're talking about uh, Lepke. Lepke, yeah. Okay, I thought you meant Anastasia. No, 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 Lepke. No, Lepke. So they shaved his head. I mean, it was really a morbid scene. Then all of a sudden, I mean, it was really, I mean, very depressing. And all of a sudden, there was a lightning storm in Southern California. And it was just... And 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 they're praying, you know, in Hebrew, Uh walking up to the left chair. So, and we're supposed to be serious. So, Vic Tabak's across the aisle, and he's right past us. And I said, Tony, I think we just won an Oscar. And he's still, he's, he's down. And he says, how, how do we do that? I says, look at the effects we got here. We got to give the Oscar to Christ. Oh, my and gosh. The, the whole floor bust. That's great. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> I mean, but- well, what you get, you know, you wonder how these guys eventually got caught. Uh, and how Murder, Inc. collapsed was because of a guy by the name of uh, Abe Rellis, Back to Abe Kid Twist. Right. He was uh, indicted for murder, and he flipped, basically. What people don't know about Abe Rellis, if you know anything about him at all, he was a ruthless killer who liked to get up close and personal, either to ice pick you or strangle you with a rope, with a garrote, as as it's known. But he was a big family man. And he loved his family, took real good care of his family. He was a good dad and a good husband. He did not want to be known as the guy who got convicted of murder and got the chair. So he flips. That's wild. uh, They put him in a hotel for safekeeping called the Half Moon Hotel in Coney Island. Oh, yeah. Which was torn down about 20 years ago. But they should have made it a landmark. They threw him out the window, didn't they? Well, you know, it's said that, let's put it this way. that The headlines in one of the local tabloids was, the canary couldn't fly. That's it. They threw him out the window. Uh, I remember that. What happened wow. was when they found him, he was a significant distance away from the threshold of the building. When you're going to jump out of a window, you're never going to get that fall straight. They you fall straight him. down. Go straight, unless yeah. there's, a, there's, there's a trajectory. You're not jumping a huge distance. Oh, two guys threw him off the roof. That's crazy. Well, no, it was out of his out of his window, out of his hotel window. And to cover it up, what they did was they tied bed sheets together to indicate that he was trying to make an escape. He's 14 stories up. The bed sheets went down two stories. <laughs> now, I think this was the guy who wanted to break out of prison with dental floss we talked about last week. Yeah, yeah I think maybe he, he planned that cover-up. I think up. he organized that hit. Yeah, he planned that uh, cover-up. But there. a team of highly respected, hand-picked New York City detectives were guarding him. And... I mean, oh, it's, uh, to me, it's evident. It, 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 what they tried to say was when, when, you know, when people pointed out, hey, you know, these bed sheets only went down two floors. They said, you know, Abe was a big joker. He was a big practical joker. So what he wanted to do was climb down two floors, go into the 12th floor, and then come up behind the detectives while they were guarding him and say, ha ha, April Fool. 
That's the story the detectives had. Wow. What? Yeah. That, that, Believe me, I researched this. Wow. It sounds like you did. Long time. Jesus. Yeah, and uh, but so the only other alternative is that the cops picked them up and tossed them out the window. Chucked them which straight I out the window. I think so too. Uh, big investigation. I uh, never went anywhere because there's no witnesses except the other cops. Nobody's going to talk. Well, let me right. ask you a question. Why would the cops, if he's going to flip, why wouldn't they get all the information first? And just well, he still has to testify. There's no video back then. I know, but And what? even then, I mean, a good defense counsel will say, we, we need, I, 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 can't, I can't cross-examine a video. Oh, no, okay. they needed him. They needed him. I know, but that's why would they kill him is what I'm saying. Because he was going to talk. He didn't testify yet. No, but you're saying you're thinking cops killed him. Oh, cops killed him. Cops who were guarding him killed him, yeah. They were paid, and they killed him. But they were paid by, obviously, who? Somebody who wanted him to keep his mouth shut, you know, just look at the list. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> I mean, he, oh, he, no, he I, no I, I was interpreting it. I just wanted to clarify that because okay. our audience was probably thinking the same thing. It wasn't the cops that it wanted wasn't him killed. It wasn't the cops that wanted killed. These were two dirty cops that they got to. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, oh well, that's well, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Because he saying. was, uh, I mean, he was in, in high up, guarded by a platoon of cops that had to get to the cops. Got it. Makes sense. Well, what do you know about uh, Sam Levin? Red, they called him. Uh, I know his name. That's, yeah, that's that's Levine, Red Levine. Yeah, Levine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't remember. I I recall he was on my list of, of people that I was researching, but this was a while ago. I remember Samuel Red Levine, but that's all I remember. Okay. But what do you know? No, I didn't. I mean, I, I knew all the names, but I, I mean, obviously I didn't know them. And and then. Oh, well, well, I figured you know of them. No, the, the the thing that uh, you know, I I knew, you know, as you brought up before, the Frank Dasher, the the, the, the Italian, Abitando. yeah, this yeah. guy, but he was a sexual uh, predator also and a oh, psychopath. See, I always thought that was a great name. Like you go into a, an Italian restaurant, that would be the name of a dish. <laughs> yeah, Give me a little abandando parmesan. Yeah, Give me some right. abandando. abandando. It rolls off your tongue, you know. But you know, I, I, a lot of these guys got the electric chair. Pittsburgh, Phil Weiss, TikTok Tannenbaum. Mendy Weiss, well, Relis, we all know what happened to him. Uh, Jake Gura Shapiro, they all got electrocuted. Wow. So what ended up happening to Albert Anastasia? Like, uh, are you October kidding? October 25th, 1957. In a machine gun. Oh, yeah. I don't cool. know my own birthday, but I remember but you know that October 25th, oh 1957. Yeah. Well, you know why? I was getting a haircut in the Park Sheridan Hotel. Yeah, right and, around the uh, block where we worked. I mean, my route. And uh, a couple of guys came in and killed him because he was a it's crazy. He wanted everybody to die. Well, not only that, but what happened for that, I, I know why he was killed. I know who killed him, actually. The Gabinos put the hit on him. Mm. And, and and Genovese, because he was too nuts. They called him the Mad Adder. That's and, what I meant. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, and they were going to take him out. Oh, okay. Because before he, they took them out, it was a power play, basically. But, um, no, but, uh, that's why I mean, I'm just, you start doing the history on this stuff, like, we were talking earlier, like even Frank Kelly being taken out, and Tommy Bellotti, who was the best man in my wedding, the Paul, I mean, all these guys. Yeah. And it's, and but so it's, it's wonderful to think about the brains behind all of these people, the brains behind these people. Well, love Frank Costello and Carlo Gambino mm-hmm. and Tony Accardo. They died pleasantly in their beds of old age. <laughs> so, yeah. That is crazy. You know, if, you, if the audience wants to know what happened to Thomas Dewey, 
who was uh, the, pro uh, uh, the prosecutor, uh, he rode this to political stardom. He became the governor of New York and famously ran against Harry Truman in uh, 1946. Truman was the vice president under Franklin Roosevelt. Roosevelt dies. They give this Taylor the presidency. Well, that was Chicago. Everybody thought he stood no chance against Thomas Dewey. And it went so far as it's a famous uh, uh, headline, uh, Dewey wins presidency. No, Dewey didn't win the presidency. Truman won the presidency. They, they pre-printed the headline and issued the paper. Oh, my god! Before the results came in. Wow. Well, you know why they did that? That, again, has to be attributed to Ocado and that whole thing there. I mean, what they did with the elections, they swung so many imagine. elections. They were not going to have Dewey. Dewey. Dewey was worse than Robert Kennedy. Oh, yeah. He was a mob buster. That's, That's how really, he made his bones. Yeah. Really? Oh, no. He, look at him. He, his best friend was Walter Winchell, and he promised him, tell him the electric chair's off the table. Wow. And the guy turns himself in, and it's all over. Walter? I mean, yeah. 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 Uh, the only reason he turned himself in was because the death penalty was off the table. As soon as they slapped cuffs on him, it was back on. Dewey said the death penalty is back on the table. Wow. Yeah, and, and, and Walter Winchell, well, I mean, got a lot of. I've I heard stories about it because Costello, everybody said, you know, it's going to be on you if they do something to this guy. He's, no, no, Dewey said, I know he's, he's not going to do it. He just wants to claim the fame to bring him in after all these years. Everybody wanted him. I mean, yeah. he, he made a fool out of everybody. I, I, well, I tell you, Walter Winchell fascinated me, too. And I mentioned this about 30 podcasts ago. I read a biography on, on uh, Winchell because he fascinated me. Mm -hmm. He was the most famous, as I mentioned, the most famous uh, columnist and broadcaster for 30 years. When he died, no one came to his funeral. Not one person. Really? Did he yeah. die? Did he die after Costello? I believe. Well, he died in the seventies. I know. Uh, I, uh, I'm pretty sure seventy three or seventy four. So it would be. Yeah, he died after, after right after Costello. No Costello, one came to his funeral. Costello he was so hated. No wow. one liked this guy. Well, he always uh, had his hand out too. Paid for nothing. That too, and uh, he, he 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 screwed everybody. He, he made promises he never kept. He was uh, he was full of himself because he was Walter Winchell. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine? I mean, not one person. That's insane. That's going to be me because I ain't telling anybody when I die. I'm just going to ride out in the sunset. I'm going to have to know. That's right? what I'm saying. Well, you all be gone. <laughs> you can, well, no, maybe, maybe. Why would I be gone? Well, I'm Where am live I to going? 115. So I think I'll still be around there. Oh yeah, yeah, you're so young. I forgot. Yeah, don't forget about <laughs> me over no, here. No, no, no. no. So Maggie, Maggie's in the back. She's going to be. Maggie's going to start. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah, she's going to be around. Yeah. All right. So. All right. It's time to go to the mailbag. All right. All right. Yeah. That was another great show. Yeah, Whoever awesome. requested that, thank you. Yeah. It gave me some great memories of a, a, a good movie. I enjoyed the movie. It was mm -hmm. really. And I, I was able to talk to uh, Tony Curtis, which we became. Tremendous friends after this movie. Yeah. Because he never knew how really nuts I was. Until <laughs> <laughs> he came it's to true. New York. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the mailbag, ready for it? Please, please. Okay. So first one is a comment from Christy that I want to share. 
Christy said, I heard about the podcast on Johnny Dare's show on 98.9 in yep. Kansas City. I did another Johnny Dare show. Shout out to Johnny Dare. <laughs> this guy's a big follower of mine. And it's so ironic. His father knew the Savellas. Really? Oh, from Kansas? Kansas City, yeah. Huh. So he found me and I've, I've done it. I just did a show again. A nice guy. And he's helping. He's promoting us. Good. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. thanks, Johnny Dare. All right, so she continues on saying, since I travel a lot for work, I've gotten to listen to the podcasts. You guys are amazing. I love Gianni's stories. I feel like I could sit and hang out listening to stories with y'all. <laughs> Keep the podcast coming, and the book is on my list to buy. Tell her anytime she's not stop by, she can hang out with us. <laughs> there you go. It's gonna, we have to get a nah, bigger... everybody's going to be yeah, knocking nah, on the store. Why story. not? Let's do gonna it. need a bigger studio. Yeah, a little bit. A yeah. little bit. All right, so next one is from Lenny. Lenny says, you've mentioned you're doing a one-man show. Can we expect a tour list anytime soon? Yes, you can. I'll give you two dates, three days right now. Uh, uh, February 9th on a Sunday afternoon, I'm at the Rosalind Hotel in a club in the hotel called My Father's Place. The following month, I'm at Falls View Casino, which is owned by Mohegan's son, on the 7th of February. April, I'm at the 18th at the Resorts Hotel. And as the dates come in, you'll have them. I want you to fill the place, man. We're going to have some fun. Perfect. Yeah, we'll make sure that we get that out there so everybody can see it in writing. Absolutely. All right, so next one is from Tim. Tim says, after watching the Sonny Liston documentary, I was wondering if you knew him and another fellow mentioned named Ash Resnick. And if so, can you tell us any stories about them? Ash Resnick it was one of my closest friends. No way. Is that weird? Is Ash, there anybody you don't like? Yeah, I think no, he's I a mean, lot I of like close friends. <laughs> you know why? Though? Ash Resnick, he was a great football star. I think out of Detroit or somewhere in the Midwest. And how I got to know him, he was a, a casino host. And then when they built Caesars, he, he was like the sports figure. Him and uh, the great Friday, um Oh, what was his name? Big, tall, black guy. He was there until he died as a casino host. Mm-hmm. Oh, Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis. Very good. So uh-huh. both of us had a mutual friend. I could say it on the new, on the radio now. We had a mutual friend called Dean Martin, and he loved Dean. So one night he calls me up. He says, Dean's got a problem. Uh, why don't we go see him after the second show? I said, what? so he's got a problem. What does he want me for? He said, yeah, I think you can handle it. I said, okay. So we go to the hotel, and Dean's almost crying. He just married this new girl, and nobody knew. We called her a three-year-old. And Kathy, ah. Kathy Horn, I think her name was. And I knew Jeannie, his, first, his second wife. We had all the kids, basically. But so I listened to this story. And Dean said, I think my new wife is cheating on me. I said, why do you think that? Well, he says, I see that she's coming to Vegas a lot, but I'm on tour. She never wanted to go on tour with me. I said, okay. So we asked, Johnny, why don't you look into it? You know everybody. I said, okay. So a week, 10 days go by. Ash calls me up and says, Johnny, Dean can't thank you enough. I says, about what? He says, you solved the problem for him. I said, no, no, no big deal. I found out and just let it go. He said, next time he comes in, he wants to see you. So I said, tell him to forget about it. Did you find anything out? No, and listen to what happened. 
So I, I come to see him at the hotel. He has a watch for me, a gold, a beautiful watch. From I know the jeweler in Beverly Hills. I said, Dean, I can't take the watch. He's And he's hugging me and kissing me. His wife, soon after we had this conversation, went home and said, Dean, I'm sorry, I'll never cheat on you again. Please don't kill me. Don't da-da-da-da-da-da. So, and, and, and they said, how did you do this? I said, I didn't do it. And I just, I left it at that. I said, I don't want to watch. You're my friend. If you have another favor to do, ask me. So it went on for years until he died. Dean died. I'm with Ash. And Ash says to me, you got to tell me the story, how you did it. I said, well, this girl was coming to State Street, this little blonde. And I didn't know it was Dean's wife, so when he told me he was going on somebody to kill him, I told her, Dean's got a contract out on us. She went over because it was me. I was fooling around with her. I didn't know she was married to Dean. <laughs> oh, jeez. Johnny. <laughs> but oh, I didn't know it was his gosh. wife. She was a 24-year-old kid coming into State Street. So I solved it for him. She yeah, went back because I told her, I said, Dean, some friends of mine called me, Dean's trying to hire somebody to kill you and I. I put me in the mix. Oh, my goodness. So she went home. In fact, we have that mag, that thing, the, the clock, clock, a beautiful yes. clock she sent me. Karen. Uh, what? Karen? No. Well, Kathy, Amore Mia is a, a beautiful 24 karat gold clock. Oh, Just what I mean. But Ash Resnick almost fell off the chair. That is insane. No, but anyway. I didn't know it was well, his that wife. that was definitely a good story for uh, Tim here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about Sonny Liston? Well, no Sonny Liston was a great fighter. So Ash knew all the fighters. And that's when, I mean, boxing... In fact, Caesars eventually built a big arena in the back to hold these fights. Mm. Prize fights, heavyweight fights, were big. In fact, when I came back to America, I, it was spooky to me. On November 22nd, two years later after the assassination of John F. Kennedy, Muhammad Ali knocks out, I think, I think it was Sonny Liston. Wow. Yeah, it was Sonny yeah, Liston. In okay. the first round. So do I know Sonny Liston? I don't know. I think he took a fall. But he I, took a, <laughs> <you think? laughs> I don't even think the I think the punch hit him. Yeah, but it's like a Godfather punch. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah Jimmy, distance Jimmy, Jimmy Conn, one of those famous punches that misses, <laughs> and I reacted. Yeah, gotta love that. All right, on to the next. Yeah, he died of a heroin overdose. Oh, did he? he did. Yeah. Oh wow. Wow. Either either uh, he he gave it to himself. Or somebody gave it to him. I think somebody gave it to him because yeah, they, that's what's the rumor. Yeah, because he was he was taking a lot of clothes and getting crazy. He had a he had a loose lip. Yeah. Mm. All right. So next one is from Brian for Patrick. Brian says, Patrick, first of all, thank you for your service. My father served in Vietnam from April 1968 until April 1969 with the 199th Light Infantry Brigade. Just wondering, no, just wondering if you could share a story about that time in your life. Mm. If you have, well, any, I was, sick, you I was there. I was there before him. Uh, he was, when he was arriving, I was leaving. I was there sixty six, sixty seven. I uh, actually volunteered. Well, I volunteered for the army. I was. I enlisted. I, I volunteered for Vietnam, which just goes to show you that insanity runs in my family. I mean, I I, I wanted. I was young and stupid. And were I you a cop yet? You weren't no, a cop I was, yet. I, I was 18. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. 
No, no, I was a police officer after I came out. Right. And uh, anyway, uh, I volunteered for Vietnam, and uh, you know they they said, "Hey, you're in the infantry. You're going to die." But of course, when you're 18, you think you're invincible. So people ask me. Obviously, you were. They they, they tell me. (laughs) They make a comment to this day. Well, you must have been really patriotic. I mean, volunteered for Vietnam, and in reality, I volunteered because I wanted to blow shit up. That's hmm. it. That was my motivation. <laughs> you were just a kid. I mean, I was an 18-year-old stupid kid. And I tell you, once my feet hit the tarmac at Tonsonut Airport, there was, uh, and I see they're carrying out all these body bags. Oh, my I God. Said, what the hell did I do? Yep. So that encapsulates my time in Vietnam. Just wow. counting the days till I got the hell out of there. Right. Everybody was there for a year. No, so it's crazy. You, you, you start this, what's known as a short timers calendar. A little pocket calendar. And oh every day God. you cross off a day, and as the days get shorter, as you get closer to you, you know, going home, you're a nervous wreck. You're stressed out, and you're you're old beyond your years. Mm-hmm. But I came back with a great tan. You keep saying that. Always got to leave well, it on. A, you got to no, leave I mean, it on I, a light I, note for us. Yes, I like go, it. go off the plane, and I look great. <laughs> there you go. Well, with that, we're going to tune out. All right. It's always a great note especially of anybody that guards us, anybody that's in uniform, whether it's police, firemen, or whatever. Yeah, but, whoever uh, does this. Thank you for yeah. your service, whoever's out there listening. Thank, yeah, thank you, Pat, you for much. your service. Yeah, well. We know so many people that were... Remind me not to do it again. Yeah, please. Yeah, okay. Don't, don't draft no anything. No problem. Before you're ready to do it, we'll, we'll go out swinging. <laughs> I'll change hey, your mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. I'll forget where I am. Well, Hmm. everybody, thank you again for tuning in. Another fun show for us. We hope you enjoy them all. Tell your friends, keep subscribing. We don't want to go nowhere. Megan, good night, my darling. Hmm, Good night. Pat, till next week. Good night, my friend. All right. Good night, Megan. Good night. 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 Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at hollywoodgodfatherpodcast as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night. Too few to mention I did what I had to do And so it through Without exemption I planned each charted course Each careful step Along the byway But more, much more than this I did it my way Oh, there were times I'm sure you knew When I bit off more than I can chew But through it all, when there were doubts